you know, as many people have mentioned, it's been a, a weird week, you know, to have three people that, that I'm aware of with uh, Craig Enfield, uh, then Sharon Novinger and Chad Novinger all uh, pass away uh, in the last week or so. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to grieve in our community. And there, there's a lot to be sad about. There's a lot of heartbreaking things in our community um, with those three being um, at the top for sure. And there are other things in our community, you know, and, um, and so, and I was even talking to Jim yesterday and, and he was like, yeah, my family just had our Thanksgiving, you know, because they, everybody came to town to, you know, and, you know, I kind of like, it struck me that he even said that. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess there is things to be thankful for, isn't there? Like even in the midst of, of losing a spouse and losing a son, you know, and, uh, and for all of us, there is much to be thankful for. Um, Jesus hasn't left us. That the solution for all that is not as it should be, the solution for everything that is not as it should be is alive and working. He is alive and working. And that's why we can, we can you know, that turning tragedy to triumph, like that's, he specializes in that and has been doing that long before we showed up. And, uh, and we are in capable hands when we're in Jesus' hands. Um, many of us, though, were stepping into just hard things this week. Uh, as, as Courtney was praying, you know, some of us are going to have family over for Thanksgiving that's just like annually seems to be a difficult thing. Um, some of us, we just know these are volatile relationships and we're bringing all this kindling together, you know, all uh, other relationships that might just feel devoid of life. You know, I think uh, my wife and I, there were times where we were like, man, you kind of revert to like a different person, like when you're in a certain situation that I don't experience you at, you know, um, others like kind of wish they could have those situations that it's, it's more characterized by loneliness or be like, man, I feel like I would take that over uh, what I have. I think just being pulled different ways, cooking food you don't cook normally, you're trying to remember how to not burn it or, or undercook it or whatever. Um, you know, I think as we step into all of this, like how can we truly be thankful people? Like it is good. And, and man, it's not like doom and gloom. Like there are truly things that it might be like, man, I'm, I'm in a sweeter place than I've been in a long time. And, uh, and, and there's a lot for me to be thankful this time of the year uh, for what I've seen transpire and what I've seen do. And I think for us, just as a church, like as Ian said, the church is, is, is us. Um, and, and we don't say that in a proud way. Like when we hand out invitations, we're not like trying to, beef up our numbers. We're not trying to like try and make something that looks good on Instagram for us to take a picture of and proudly display to whoever. Um, but instead, like at our best, we are people who from the inside out are being changed. And we know in our flesh, we know it on our worst days who we are. And we know in our best days even who we are and how short we are when we compare us to our Savior, and our God. And handing out these cards is not saying, I'm better than you, you should be like me. But instead it's saying, this is a hospital for the soul. And Jesus is doing incredible work here, and he's doing incredible work in other places in our community. And to say, like, if you do not have a place to go and to look to him, please be shoulder to shoulder with me as we're looking to him together through Advent, through, Advent, through Christmas Eve, um, 
so how do we, how should we approach this week? Should we just try harder? Should we just be like, man, I'm just going to resolve to be a different type of person. You can try that, but man, like I do that with food too. It's like, okay, this year, no desserts. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, next year I'll do that. Like, it's just like, can I just try harder? And the reality is none of us can try harder to be the people that God wants us to be. It's just, it just doesn't work. I've tried it enough times that I can speak from experience. It doesn't work. So today, I feel like where we're going is where the only place we could go where we might find some help, where we might find some hope, where we might find actually the very thing we've been looking for. We're taking a break from five weeks of, uh, for the next five weeks. We've been in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is only six chapters long. We're 13 weeks into Ephesians. It doesn't mean like we're slow. It means that's how much treasure is there that we're taking time mining it. And we're gonna take a break of mining the treasures of Ephesians and we're going to this week look at John 15. Feel free to start sliding there or flipping there. Um, John 15, um, so and then the next four weeks, so all of December, we're just going to be looking at the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. So we're gonna call that Advent is gonna be that series. Um, but here, as we go to uh, John 15, and I think just the desperate reality of us needing to hear these words today. These are not my words. You'll hear my words, but I hope you hear another set of words, which is the word of God, and then God taking that word and placing it in each of us. So we're going to get into the word as kind of a Christian saying, like, hey, you want to get together and get into the word? Like, we're going to do that, but the bigger prayer is that the word would get into us and would change us. So, so let's pray into that if we could. Lord, um, none of us want to arrive and play at church today. Um, just as we are very aware of, um, eternal things are hanging in the balance like a knife edge. And um, Lord, we don't know when we have breathed our last. We don't know when that is coming. We don't know what you have for us, but we know we're here right now. We're encountering you. We're encountering your word. And would we not just play around here but would we truly hear from you? Would we truly see you? And Lord, if at any time we get ready to put walls up or, or we're hearing your voice and we dismiss it because our own voice or our own doubts, or our own fears or our own backstory, um, Lord, would you just let us be open to you, real with you, all in with you in this place, that you would do whatever you want to do in us and through us for your glory, we pray. Amen. So John chapter 15, we've been hearing... Jesus' words through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. Now we're actually hearing Jesus speaking in John 15. So every word you're going to hear this is from the one who designed us, designed this place, knows us, identifies with us to the point that we could call him brother, and that is an intimate relationship that's true of him. And this is what he says in verse 1. I am the true vine... We have it up here, too, if you uh, don't have it found in a Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, we've got some out on the table. That's yours. Take it with you. Um, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So a few observations here. First, 
This seems super simple, but being in Jesus is like a branch connected to a vine. Okay, let me say that one more time. Being in Jesus, this is what he's just told us, being in Jesus is like a branch connected to a vine. But he says, I'm the true vine. Okay, Jesus is saying here is uh, something fascinating that would, I think probably when people first heard him say this, they gasped a little bit. They're like, whoa, who do you think you are? Because for centuries, if you wanted to move towards God, if you wanted to move into the presence of the Father, there was a place you would go to. You would go to Jerusalem, you go to the old city in Jerusalem, some of you have been on trips there already, you would go to Jerusalem, you would approach the temple, and as you're approaching the temple, you'd be approaching the presence of God. Now, it doesn't mean like God didn't know what was happening in other parts of the world and he was only, but, but that truly, on planet Earth, the presence of God was in the temple, okay? And what Jesus is saying here is he's starting to turn that. And yes, he is the God. Our God is Trinitarian. Uh, Jesus was, was fully God at all the time that that was happening during Old Testament time. But now what he's saying is, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. What he's starting to do is to turn to say, like, the center of this universe and the center of my presence is no longer going to be for humans to go to a place, but it's going to be for humans to go to a person. By him saying that he is the true vine, he's the center. Um, he could use all sorts of Im imagery, okay? So I was just, like, using my sanctified kind of imagination and being like, wow. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, okay, the, the, the farmer that's, that is, is going to be um, making this healthy. But he could have said, I am the general, you are the troops, and I will dispatch you where I want to dispatch you. He could have, though, he doesn't say that. He could have said, I'm the boss, you're my employees, and if you have an incredible business, or, you know, company that you work for, I used to work for John Deere, I enjoyed it, and I was like, wow, that's a healthy relationship. But he didn't say that. He gets way closer, okay? He could have said, my son Silas has his first basketball game tomorrow night, um, and, you know, I tell Silas, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be screaming stuff probably, Patty will be screaming stuff, but whatever I say listen to what your coach says, okay? Because I don't want to be that guy that his coach is like, pass! And I'm like, shoot! You know, the coach is like, what's going on here, right? Uh, so I said, have your ear tuned to your coach. Like, you know, receive whatever, but if you don't hear a word I say, that's fine. Um, you know, but, so Jesus could have said, I'm the coach, you're the player. Have your ear tuned to me, right? He could have said that. He didn't, though, in this instant. What he's talking about is like the bond is way closer, way closer. The one who's the true center of everything is saying to you and saying to me that he desires for us to be connected to him like a branch is connected to the vine. Like, I don't know for you guys who like, you know, ladies that split wood very much, you know, if you're like, Hey, that's a, here's, here's a section of wood that it's an oak tree that's been growing strong and there's been a branch connected to that oak tree for 30 years. Split that, 
you're going to be like, oh man, those fibers are so inter, you're, you're going to, it's going to be a nightmare to try and split that because of how intertwined those fibers are with each other. And Jesus is saying like, I'm the branch or that I'm the vine, you're the branch, I'm the true vine that we're connecting to. And here's what's crazy about it. Romans 3.23 says to us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every single human being has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And it's like, well, what business does he have then? Why would he say to connect to him that intimately if I've sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Then Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Why would he have a dead, like, you know, you don't look at this beautiful tree and see this dead limb coming off and been like, wow, that looks like a healthy situation going on there, right? Like, and he's saying that the wages of sin is death. Like it, it doesn't make sense that he would say that he is the true vine. But then Romans 6.23 says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that is the scandalous grace of the air that we breathe. The scandalous grace that like, for him to invite us to be that intimately connected to him and knowing the sin and the wages of our sin and for him to say like, yes, that's true, but my gift to you, my gift to you is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. One scholar said this about branches and, and the vine. The branches derive their continual life from the vine. The vine produces its fruit through the branches. So Jesus is actually delighting to, make, to produce fruit through us. And we, though, our life is not in our achievements. Because Romans 3, 23, 6, 23 is like set us very clearly. There's no doubt there's no fog there. But the clarity is that he is yearning to give us his continual life by inviting us into that closeness. Another observation is that accomplishing anything in Jesus involves pruning. Did you see that? Involving anything in Jesus involves pruning. I was, uh, they don't grow as well up here, but when we lived in Oklahoma, I was really into peach trees. And uh, I talked about them probably more than people should. But man, I like, there was one year that we picked hundreds, hundreds of peaches off our tree. And man, every year I would look at that peach tree and be like, game on, you know? And I'd be like, I'm gonna cut you off. I'm gonna cut you off and you off. I'm gonna prune you there, there, there. And then once the buds started showing, you were supposed, so someone told me like, it should be pruned so heavily that you could throw a Frisbee right through the tree. So like the Frisbee, would, like there's no branches that would stop. Like there's just big ones like this. So then you could throw a Frisbee right through the tree. So I'd be like, okay, I'm doing that. And then I would pick off the little buds, you know. But there were times when I've been like, my trees probably have shared with their friends. They probably are like, Tim is the butcher of Edmond, Oklahoma, right? Because it's like, when they look at me, they're like, oh man, he's got shears in his hands. This is going to be the worst of days, Right? But as I'm approaching my tree, all I'm thinking about is, and what I was amazed about was if I just let it do its thing, that thing would be so overloaded. I actually did that one year. I was like a little greedy, 
And then so I would usually pick over 100 buds off of each tree and just been like, and they said like, hey, you should only have one bud like every four or five inches. And, uh, and so, and there'd be like 10. So I'd be like, okay, I'm picking off nine of these things because I want all the nutrients just to go to that fruit. And I'm gonna do that throughout the entire tree. And I got greedy one year and I'm like, oh, this branch looks so great. I gotta just let it all be on there. Well, what happened? The wind came up, that branch just fell to the ground. It had way too much weight. And so I'm approaching pruning this tree thinking, if I let this thing just go, it's going to destroy itself. But if I lead it along, it's going to bear a lot of fruit. And this is how Jesus is saying that the Father, our God, actually looks at each one of us individually with that much intimacy and that much care about the lives that we live as we look to him. Accomplishing anything in Jesus involves pruning, and it's painful, man. Like, when we're being pruned, we're like, what did I do wrong? What happened to make me have such pain? Like, what happened in my life to have this? And he says, I'm not doing this as an angry, distant God. I'm actually doing this so you would bear fruit. Uh, Look at verse three, if you would. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So I love here, at this time, what Jesus has already communicated is chapter 3. So we're at John chapter 15. We already know that God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him. Realize that's the only thing that's said in that part of the sentence. God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not whoever will believe and perform up to a certain level and we're checking the checklist and you gotta do that. No, Jesus did all of that in our place so that what we would do is take him and respond to him. And so he can say, hey, look, the conversation I'm having with you about pruning is not a conversation. You have already responded and put your faith in Jesus you're already responding to me. I can say you're already clean, but what I'm talking here is how I'm going to work in your life so that you are the church and that you are a lighthouse and that you are advancing uh, in what he's calling us to. Uh, so uh, nothing, we, we saw this earlier in John 2, chapter 10, that nothing and no one, like Jesus was even like, if I sent an angel to rip you out of my hands, or if Satan sent demons to rip you out of my hands, once you believe in me, nothing, no one can rip you out of my hands. We see in John chapter 10 already as well. And so, so Jesus is making this very clear so that we don't think that we have to perform for him, that instead we get to just freely live in him when we have our faith in him. And then he's like, I'm gonna make this even more clear, verse four. Abide in me, and I in you. Okay, I don't use that word abide very often. Like, I mean, I don't think I've ever told like my daughter, like, hey, we're going to a store, abide in me. Or, hey, let's, let's abide here and watch this football game. Or so like, we don't use that word, right? Um, but he uses this word here because I think it's helpful, abide in me and I in you. But other like synonyms that we could stay, say, he could say, stay in me and I'll stay in you, or remain in me as I remain in you. Abide in me and I in you. And so, uh, so just a, a, a way that we can just reword this is abiding in Jesus means he is abiding in us. 
Okay, I, I think of this like, and what's interesting here is this is an imperative. The, this verb here is in the imperative form. So it's a command. He's not being like, well, it might be a good idea if you abide in me. He's saying, abide in me. And I think of me just like reaching out my hand to him and realizing that as I close my hand, he's already closed his hand on me. And, uh, and he, when I think I'm holding on to him, he's actually holding on to me. And I think what's interesting here is like I've never looked outside and looked at my trees and see branches just like running all over the place. Like a branch that's like, hey, I think that tree might be better, and it's like scurrying down and crawling and scurrying back up, you know? Or like it's just taking a break on the ground. It's just kind of like, hey, I just need a break from all of this. I'm just going to hang out on the ground. It's like, yeah, that's what happens when you turn brown, right? Like that's not life. And he's saying, abide in me, and I abide in you. And I think this is our main calling in life. Like a lot of us have like these lower C callings that is to be involved in certain things that Jesus calls us into in a unique way as we form together in a church, and he uses us with all these parts that he talks about in other places in Scripture. We all have these callings, but there's a capital C calling that we all have, which is to abide in him, to stay in him. And think of the power in this room if while we're going, we're walking into living rooms, we're walking into situations over the next week that we might be like, man, I don't want to do it the same way I've always done it. I don't want to look the same way it's always looked. Or this is a new situation. I don't know how I'm going to walk into this relationship. And he's like, yeah, abide in me. And I abide in you. What does it look like? Like That's like, well, it's easy for you to say. So I'm going to get a little weird on us, which I think is okay once in a while. And um, what does it mean for us to abide in him? And so this is a physical Thing that I'm going to go into, but it's actually been really helpful for me over about the last year as I feel like the Lord's kind of led me into this, which is this thing called breathing. Breathe. So here's the thing. I think so often we say, man, I need to stop and catch my breath. I think what we need to do more often is stop and catch God's breath. And breathing, so even I had a 70-year-old guy sit down with me, and I was like, like just, and he was like, hey, Tim, why don't you just breathe a little bit here? Like, Jesus is here. Let's breathe. And then he said, he said, do it this way. He goes, you inhale and exhale, right? He said, breathe this way. And it's hard to speak while I'm doing this, but it's like, Jesus. So you inhale, you're saying, Jesus, Jesus. Or Yahweh, Yahweh. Because he's saying, abide in me as I abide in you. Like, breathe. Be present with him. Breathe, pray. Receive the nutrients of his presence, of his power. Receive the nutrients of his word. And what's at stake if we don't do this? What's at stake if we don't abide in him? It's not like, oh yeah, I remember to come on Sunday, but he's like, no, I'm actually wanting to be with you in all of it. Be present with you in all of it. He doesn't want, he's not busy. He wants to be present with us. And then in verse four, he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Um, as I was praying through this passage, it just made me think a little bit about how, as a kid, I wanted to be at the adult table for Thanksgiving. I don't know if you ever had that experience. It was always like there was a nice, like, really nice table that had nice stuff on it. And then there were some tables over here that were card tables, non-nice stuff on it, over a hard floor that could be easily picked up for spills, right? But then, so there's the little kid's table, and then the adult table, and sometimes a medium-sized kid table, right? Um, but I always w thought, like, at that table that I wanted to be at this table. Um, what I've realized, though, in life is, like, at this table, a lot of times is adult conversation. At this table is like, like if you pluck a kid out of that table and put them in that table, they're gonna be like, oh, this is boring, you know? They like talk about things that, that they aren't talking about at this table over here, right? Um, and I feel like this verse is like a, a big kid's table or like an adult table section of scripture where it's like, hey, we're gonna talk about some serious things here because there's serious aspects of life. And it, we're not, it's not just like playing around, talking about you know, sports and stuff. Like that's, kids talk about that, it's okay for adults to talk about that, but there's a whole realm of things that are very, very important for all of our lives to be taken with utmost seriousness. And, uh, and I'm glad that Ian and I got to have lunches with Chad uh, before he passed away, and we talked about this stuff. We talked about very serious, eternal things and went there, and Jesus goes there with us. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Who doesn't want Jesus to look at us and say, man, they are bearing so much fruit? You know, you can have like fruit that looks nice, and then, but it's like, it's the fake stuff, you know, that you get at Hobby Lobby. Like you can have that, or you can have like real delicious fruit. And to have God working in our lives in a way, and maybe you have stuff that doesn't look as good as this, but man, it's, it's real fruit. And for Jesus to be like, hey, from his perspective, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then to say, for apart from me, you can do nothing. It might look like you're doing something, but you're doing nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, they're thrown in the fire and burned. Rejecting Jesus is a way of withering, being thrown into the fire. He's shooting straight with us. You can be mad at him for saying this, but he's shooting straight with us and saying, if you resist me, there is fire. If you come to me, there is life. He's clear to us because he loves us. He's not playing hide and go seek. He is wanting to live his life through us. His way is life. Life is short. We never know when our days have run their course. Instead of waiting until the last second to interact with this, 
why not, not let a second go by without coming to him, loving him, following him, abiding in him, bearing fruit for our lives? Then verse seven, if you abide in me, which is great, Jesus shows up on the scene and he commands demons to get out of people and they don't talk back to him. I have a hard time getting my dog to come inside when I'm like inside and they don't respond to me. He has the weather at his beck and call. He can have weather systems stop. And this was observable by people who were like, yes, he did that. He can have weather systems stop. He can have demons driven out. And this is how much he respects us and respects our free will. He invites us to follow him. He never commands us to follow him. Now he says, if you want to walk with me, abide in me. But he, he actually wants people to freely come to him. Okay, I don't have a conversation where I sit my wife down and I'm like, hey, here's my terms where you will love me. She would hopefully start calling a bunch of you guys and being like, my husband has gone crazy. He's demanding my love. That is not love. Love is at its best when it is freely offered and freely received. And Jesus could command our allegiance. He invites us to follow him. And in verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's not a genie in the bottle because we're abiding in him. His words are abiding in us, which is making us desire the things that he desires. And he's like, man, when you go for it and you pray what I desire, you're going to see that I am fulfilling your prayers. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. Now, if you're looking for something to just hang on to this week of Thanksgiving, I super recommend verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Which is crazy. That Jesus is saying, I'm going to just take the joy that I have, that I am receiving from the Father, that I have by being who I am, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you my joy so that your joy may be full. And this is, I mean, I'll do this a few times just because I think it's helpful to see how personal this is and how these yous are not meant to just speak to, well, somebody else. They're meant to speak to us. So um, if Bryce Oswalt abides in me, and my words abide in Bryce Oswalt. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for Bryce. By this my Father is glorified, that Bryce bears much fruit, and so proves to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved Bryce. Abide in my love. If Bryce keeps my commandments, Bryce will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to Bryce, that my joy may be in Bryce and that Bryce's joy may be full. I'd encourage you to read that that way. Uh, insert yourself in there. 
not because we're somebody, but because he's somebody, and this is how he's pursuing us. An observation from this is just our abiding is our joy. This thing isn't about us, it's about him. It's about his glory, it's about what he's doing in our community, what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing so that we can set up this massive lighthouse and we can all see the light of the world on full display as what we deserve we're not getting. And what we're getting is what we don't deserve, which is the love of God poured out on us. But we're confidently stepping into that because he's saying, this is going to give you joy like you can't get from buying something or you can't get from eating something or you can't get to talking to somebody. Like this is a joy that is so deeper that is actually going to last. Jesus says, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. Eat from me, you'll never hunger again in the ways that you've been hungering your whole life. So some questions for us to ask, and it's not to ask like the universe, it's to ask Jesus, okay? Questions for us to ask coming out of John 15 is one is just like, and for the groups that are non-Thursday groups, uh, um, this will for most of us be some things that we can talk about in community group too, but questions just for us to ask to Jesus is what part of my life am I disconnected from Jesus? Like, is there a branch that's just like dangling there? You know, that's like, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna let you have 40% of my life. What part of my life am I disconnected from Jesus where I should be abiding in him, where he's inviting me? Maybe it's relationships, some relationships that are closed off to the work that he can do, sins that we enjoy, jobs that, that we need to go a different direction, parenting, ways that ruts that we've fallen into that that we know we need to abide in him thoughts about ourselves and be like man i know he can forgive me but i can't forgive myself so we're just gonna have that understanding he's like no come on in here you need my nutrients in this area of your life and it could be salvation we can't abide in him unless we know him we can't abide in him unless he's our savior And that is not some, you don't have to pay money for that. You don't have to walk down this aisle to do that. Sometimes that's that's actually good to do that. Like that's saying like, hey, this is a condition of my heart, but I'm like, my body and my heart are going the same direction, you know? So I'm gonna walk down this aisle or I'm gonna raise my hand. But what you need to do is raise your heart to him and say, you're now the savior of my life. I'm not the savior of my life anymore. I give my life to you. I realize that the wages of my sin is death, but there's eternal life through you. That's a gift given to me, and I receive the gift. Jesus, you're my savior, I'm yours. That's called salvation, being saved, being born again. It's so radical, it's called being born again, what God will do in you as you take steps to him. So what part am I disconnected from Jesus? Second question, this is a helpful question, uh, so was the previous one, but is he pruning you right now? Is he pruning you right now? Are there things that it's just like, man, it feels like something's been cut off of my life? And it might be asking Jesus. Remember, these are questions for Jesus. Are you pruning me right now? Show me if this painful thing is something you are doing to make me actually bear fruit in my life. Are you pruning me right now? It'll allow us to actually be thankful in the midst of some hard things that might be going on. Um, And then third, what is he calling you to do with him? Support with him. What is he calling you to do with him? Apart from him, we can do nothing but 
What's the flip side of that? If he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, it would make sense then, with him, we can do anything that he's calling us to do, that he is working in our lives. Apart from him, we can do nothing. With him, we can do anything he's calling us to do. Maybe we've been so deeply hurt by church in the past that the idea of even being in here is just barely tolerable. And then the idea of actually taking a step towards each other in community is uh, just a whole other thing. And it might be being like, well, maybe I could do that with you. And maybe I could step more into the light with you. I, maybe you'll, you'll develop a trust in my heart towards you and your people that could have only happened by you. Might be the health of a marriage. Maybe it's like, man, I used to even pray that my marriage would be better than it is, and now I just kind of stop praying, and I'm just kind of okay with wherever it is that we're at that I don't even know where we're at. Or that could be true of some other relationships, and it could be like, man, with you, I could do anything that you're calling me into. So, Lord, I could actually thrive in you. Would you do that? Would you show me what that looks like? Would you surround me with people who can walk that out with me? What is he calling you to do? And then what I would just say is, man, if like something just hits you in a way it's like, oh, that's weird. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Or something. If something hits you, that could be the Lord hitting you. <laughs> and the Lord showing you like, hey, here it is. This is where I have for you to go into a place of thriving and flourishing and growth and something that you'll be thankful for next year that wasn't even your radar when you walked in this room. And if that happens, write it down because I don't know if you, like three hours from now, it might be like, what was that again? But, but let that be a moment where, you, where we're hearing and we're hearing from him because we've been praying for that. So Lord, would you take us to a place where, where our lives are actually bearing fruit and as we step into all the potential beauties of this next week, all the potential stress of the next week, relationships that only you know that we'll encounter, Lord, um, we want to see people radically changed by you because you are alive and well. We name this church Sacred Mission, as you know, Lord, because we believe you, you are the one that's on a sacred mission for the people of rural Iowa, and we just get to be a part of it. We just get to follow you and, uh, and, and look to others to follow you and to abide in you, Jesus, that your joy may be in us and our joy may be full, which would make us thankful every day for the rest of our lives. Lord, would you allow us to not enter this week with a preoccupation of stuff, stuffing, a preoccupation for anything to fulfill our souls other than you, abiding in you, Lord, nourishing us, pruning us, empowering us to be the people you've made us to be, you've designed us to be, you've called us to be, that you're writing a new story for us to live out. And Lord, we just say yes and amen. Have your way in us, have your way through us. For your glory, you're the only one who is to receive all glory, honor, and praise. And we just say yes and amen. For your name we pray, amen.